Hi, I'm Senator Jessica Garvin, and join me today on Undefeated, where you get to hear about my defining moment. Um, We had a great podcast today, and I hope that you'll tune in. Thank you for tuning into Defining Moments Podcast. This episode is brought to you by CMM Financial Services. At CMM, we know how hard it is to find someone who knows and cares enough to create the tax and wealth plan that you deserve. After walking alongside hundreds of clients for the past 20 years with accounting, bookkeeping, tax strategy, and financial planning, we have created a proven system to help you reach your financial goals. CMM has your complete financial team to reach your financial goals. Book a call at cmmfinancialservices.com. Welcome back to the Undefeated Show, Defining Moments podcast. We're located here in the Better Business Bureau in Kyle Golding's beautiful podcast studio. Today's undefeated guest, she represents five different counties, 25 different zip codes, District 43 State Senator Garvin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we connected off of Twitter and just like that, three weeks ago, you're sitting here in the studio. This is <laughs> yeah. so awesome. How's your morning been? It's been good. It's yeah. been kind of a crazy Monday, but um, it's been good. Got yeah. a lot going on at the Capitol this week. And so just dove in really early and ready to get the week over, get it through, <laughs> get through it. <laughs> How early is early for you? So I, w- well, I'm, I'm normally a runner. So I wake up about 530 in the morning and take a run. It's good for everyone if I have a little run in the morning. So um, I got to the Capitol around 6 30 wow and um did a little bit of work before yeah coming back downtown yeah how uh, far do you run every morning it depends on how grumpy i am <laughs> <laughs> so uh today it was just two miles but some days it's three <laughs> some days um i shoot for four or five yeah. but don't quite make it i'm still kind of getting back in the groove of running mm-hmm. uh, after covid knocked me down a couple yeah. of years ago so yeah. nice are you training for the marathon or anything heck no <laughs> not that dedicated um i do at some point want to run the relay but no one trusts me to join their team yet so i'll get there eventually <laughs> that's funny so Someone trusted me back in 2013 or 14 to run a relay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, hey, I'll run. And they gave me, I think it was relay number two. But what they did not tell me was this hill called Gorilla Hill. Oh, yuck. And I didn't realize it. And it, it took me a minute. And I get up there and I'm not following directions because I'm listening to my music. And all of a sudden I take a left and I'm going towards the finish the whole entire marathon <laughs> instead of going to attack my teammate. So then I'm kind of lost. And I was like, hey, where am I? And the guy's like, oh, you're about to, you're going towards the way back downtown. I was like, I don't need to be there. He's like, you need to go back the other way. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways. Yeah, That's, yeah that would probably be what I would do. <laughs> so here's, a, we wanted to give you this gift. Oh, thank you. That's, That's amazing. Love I love it. Accepting gifts is actually my love language. Is it? So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're in luck. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for all you do for our stay in the community and the constituents. Yeah. We appreciate that. It's an honor, really. Yeah. I I roll up to the Capitol every day and kind of pinch myself that I still get to work there. No one's kicked me out yet. Um, but it's it's definitely humbling. I mean, mm-hmm. walking into that building, especially so early or leaving really late at night when it's quiet and 
you know, all the art and I don't know, it's just such a humbling experience walking in that building every day. So yeah, I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity for however long God gives me mm-hmm. um, and the people of the district, obviously. So right. I just kind of soak it up. It's a surreal experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that, you know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to do and to serve. And so I just soak it up every day. Yeah. Let's talk about that pin you're wearing. Yeah. I'd like to hear more about that pin. Yes. What does it mean to you? Man, so um, when I got my member pin, um, you know, everyone gets a member pin when they're sworn in. And the day that I was sworn in, I had a very special visitor to my office, um, Senator at the time. Uh, now Congresswoman, Congresswoman <laughs> Stephanie Bice, yeah. um, she left me a letter with the member pin and let me know that it was a gift from Kim David. So Senator David, uh, now Commissioner David, had given it to her. And um, she left me this note that just said, you know, this is basically we're wanting to start a tradition of having a, having just a legacy of really great powerhouse women that have served at the Capitol. And so someday when you're ready to give it up, then, you know, there'll be a woman that comes in behind mm. you that you feel is uh, needs needs the the encouragement. And so I wear it more often than my my member pen that I was sworn in with, just because it does have such a symbolic meaning to me. I mean, there's been so far two incredible women that have worn it prior to me. And Kind of reminds me every day when I put it on that, you know, I have incredible women that have come before me and I hope to leave Oklahoma a better place for women coming after me. That's awesome. You, you use the word encouragement as one of my favorite words. How do you encourage people in general? You know, I think that as a woman in that building, my colleagues don't treat me any differently for the most part of uh, a majority of them anyway. And I think that that alone being treated as an equal is encouragement enough for me. Most, if not a majority of all of my male colleagues in that building don't treat me like a female legislator. I'm just a legislator and I got there the same way that they did. And so for me, um, encouraging others is just really leaning into that and making them feel equally as important, mm-hmm. um, equally as heard. And so uh, I think for me, it's it's just that, is just kind of passing it forward for the way that people treat me, just passing that forward and um, trying to help people and mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just being there and yeah. giving advice and listening and taking advice and just yeah. all of the above. Yeah. No, that's great because I, I can feel your energy. I feel like you have really good, enthusiastic energy, so I can definitely appreciate that. Well, thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate that. 100%. I probably get that from my dad. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. He's definitely a go-getter. I mean, he and my mom both, but my um, my dad came from an immigrant family. His grandparent or his parents, excuse me, were both from Mexico and came to the United States. And so uh, I think that that's probably another thing that drives me is um, my grandparents worked so hard to be here. And my dad came from nothing. And both of my parents, really, they were kind of dirt poor. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, I, you know, I just try to work a little bit harder every day and uh, make my grandparents proud. And they're all for deceased now. But uh, sometimes I wonder if my grandma's up there in heaven looking down <laughs> and thinking like, my my 
granddaughter is the very first Hispanic female to ever be elected in state history. And uh, I don't know. That's kind of just a big deal to me. So um, I try to just drive that home every day and and show up every day and work hard every day. And um, I don't know. It just it kind of drives me. Yeah, that that just gave me chills because you said two phrases, show up every day and work hard every day. I feel like it's almost a lost art. Yeah. It appears. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. I think so. I'm a millennial. I'm at the very curve, like very <laughs> end of the curve on the millennial spectrum. But um, I think a lot of millennials and then after um, have a reputation of not being willing to work hard and just wanting everything handed to us. And so uh, I feel like I have a lot to prove. Um, because of my age, but also especially at the Capitol, just being a woman, I think mm. I feel like I have more to prove. And it's probably um, not for anyone but myself, but I feel like because I'm a young female that I have to work harder and, and do more and prove myself. When I was running, I had a lot of people that referred to me as a girl. And one of my opponents would say, well, she's just a girl that's in over her head. And so I, you know, kind of, embraced that mm-hmm. and just felt like I had to um, do more and be more and work harder and and really just get up there and prove myself. So yeah. uh, if it's a lot of pressure on on me, but <laughs> it just, you know, it's, it's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I like that. I've seen you on social media. You're pretty interactive, actually. How do you deal with negativity in real life and then when you're going through posts and dealing with social media? Sure. So my husband, I married a saint. Um, I think probably a lot of people can see that through social media. My husband is a way better human than I am or ever will be. Um, He and I just find a lot of laughter in the things that people say. So there was one, I don't know if you saw, but there was one, a couple, I guess it was like last week, this guy was informing me of a woman's place and what I should be doing. Did you see that? I did. Um, Just reminding me that I needed to get back in the kitchen. And so um, my husband and I laugh about that kind of stuff a lot just because it's, it would probably surprise people at how often that I get that. Um, and so we just have to laugh about it. Uh, there was one thing. It was about a month ago where some, someone on Facebook called my husband a human trafficker and um, I mean, people just wow. they think that they can say whatever they want to say and that, number one, it makes it true. And number two, that everything that you believe or everything you see on social media, you should believe. Um, and so we just really have to find humor in it because yeah. at the end of the day, my dad always taught me that other people's opinion of me doesn't it's none of my business. Hmm. And so. Sometimes I internalize those things and I realize how quickly that pulls me down. And so I just have to find humor in it or I think it would consume me. And I'm just not that kind of person. I mean, I it's unfortunate that people feel like they have to make comments like that. But, you know, whatever makes them feel good. It gives us a good laugh. So (laughs) it's, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those things that comes with the territory, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I see the hashtag dome mom. Yeah, mom of the dome. Yeah, mom of the dome. I, yeah, so um, so Senator Hicks, Carrie Hicks, mm-hmm. um, her kids, I can't remember the backstory, but her kids called her Senator Mom because they weren't really sure what to call her. They heard everyone calling her Senator Hicks. And she was like, you know, her kids were like, 
no, her name is Mom, so Senator Mom. And so they started calling her that, and that's her hashtag. Okay. And so everyone kept telling me, you are so funny on social media, and the things that you say are you know, just totally mm-hmm. on point all the time. And so a lot of times I just talk about my kids, because my kids are hysterical, and I don't really know where they get that, probably from my husband, but um, they're very witty. Mm. And so um, I, I just... Decided one day that I needed some sort of hashtag, and because I'm a a woman in the building, it, you know, yeah. I think my role as a mom is probably I love the title of mom way more than I do love the title of senator. And mm-hmm. and I told you before we started, you know, that I'm just not that fancy. Mom of the dome just very quickly became my hashtag. I think a lot of the other ones I wanted just were not appropriate to you. <laughs> so <laughs> I just that's what I settled on was mom of the dome. So oh, that's kind of my hashtag. Hashtag, I uh, utilize it on social media, different platforms, and yeah. it's just kind of become my thing. I actually had a friend that made me a, um, I have stickers all over my laptop. People make comments about when they see, you know, when they're watching session and they see my laptop, it's got all sorts of things on it. But uh, a friend of mine made me a sticker that says hashtag mom of the dome. So it. it's official now. If you have a sticker, then it's, it's legit. Man. We're going to have to get you one of our stickers that says hashtag undefeated. I'm in. Sign me up. I'll find a room for it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What got you into politics? Oh, wow. Well, I originally started getting involved in in, um, public policy when I worked as a nursing home administrator. Um, I was very heavily involved in the assisted living association so the oklahoma assisted living association and then also care providers oklahoma which is kind of more the nursing home side and then assisted living uh through ocala and was just thrown into being a member of the political um realm based on ocala's um committee they have a public policy committee that kind of advocated for senior adults in the assisted living space and so i started that probably about 15 years ago uh, when I very first really got involved in senior care. And so public policy in that space was always really important to me and got familiar with the process through that. But then about two years before I started running uh, or started campaigning, I started getting people asking me to run. And at first I was like, oh, that's cute. Like I felt like, you know, patting someone on the head and just saying, (laughs) that's ridiculous. Um, just because I, I never have seen myself as a politician. I, I don't get involved in the drama of, um, even as a Republican, I mean, I'm extremely conservative and uh, very proud of that. I, you know, I think that's just a testament to how I was raised, but I just don't play politics. Um, I'm much more of a policy driven person. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when I started getting a, a, recruited to run it just wasn't something that I was interested in because I've never seen myself in that space and um and so I was just very heavily recruited to run and I think it was just some you know decisions that our our former uh, senator had made and so one day and people think I'm crazy when I tell them the story I'm totally fine with it but I just really felt called to run and I know that sounds super cheesy but it was so much that one day my son came home and his spelling words were political, 
Republican, Democrat, microphone speeches. All of these words were just politically driven. And I remember looking up at the sky and I said, God, I see what you're doing. And I don't think this is funny Um, because people had been saying you need to do this. And I kept saying that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so that following Sunday, I went to Bible class and the lesson was 2 Samuel 7, where God goes to the prophet Nathan and he says, you need to go tell King David, I'm, I've got this. He's going to be a great ruler. He's going to leave a great legacy. I'm going to be with his family. And so Nathan goes to King David and says, whatever it is on your heart, do it because God's with you. Mm. And I just felt like God was really talking at me at that point. And so I've just always been a firm believer that he has to do drastic things in our lives sometimes to make us see his path and his plan. And I just kept saying no. And so when that happened, I remember I scribbled on a piece of paper and said, I'm supposed to run. And I slid it across the table to my husband and he just looked at me like I was an idiot. It was (laughs) one of those. Well, yeah, we've all been trying to tell you this for months. And so uh, for me, it was just very much a faith journey. And I, even today, I mean, people ask me how I'm so laid back at this job. And I really just believe that it's because of the faith that I have found. You know, I grew up going to church and I've always been someone that I consider um, a a good Christian. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would go to church and check the boxes. And it wasn't until that point in my life where I really started understanding where in the Bible it talks about the peace that surpasses understanding. Um, and that's the other thing that really just drives me because I have always felt like I didn't know if I was supposed to win, but I knew I was supposed to run. And so, you know, people back going back to your question about social media, I get all the time people will say, well, we're going to have somebody run against you or, you know, I'm going to run against you and find somebody more conservative than you. And I just keep telling people that's fine because God never told me I was supposed to run twice. He never told me that I was going to win. And I just have a lot of peace about it. So whatever happens, happens. And um, I'm okay with whatever that looks like. And so, you know, I had that going into it. I just felt like I'm supposed to run. I don't know if I'm supposed to win, but I'm definitely being called to run. And um, so I just have peace with that. And I, it's, it's lovely to be someone who's in a public service position that still has that peace. Because when people say, you know, you better vote this way or else, Mm. or you better do this or else that or else doesn't bother me because I just have peace. And so as long as I feel like I'm doing the right thing and being very prayerful about my approach, I think that's just the best thing I can do. Yeah. That's awesome. So that, that process, uh, knocking on doors, going to little cafes or just different places, do engagement speaking. How do you prep for that mentally and also physically? Yeah, it's exhausting. Um, I did a lot of walking. Yeah. I lost a lot of weight. And then for some reason I gained it back. It's weird. Um, it's all those little diners in Southwest Oklahoma that have fried everything. Um, but you know, I think mentally, the, the the thing, ironically, that was the most difficult on the doorstep um, was the older Republican women, so 70 plus. Mm. Um, not that I think that's old. Like, I've worked in senior care for my entire professional career. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, 90 plus is getting up there. But 
you know, 70 plus Republican women, every single time I got on the doorstep, the only question that bothered me was, so who's going to raise your kids? If you get elected, who's going to raise your kids? Mm. And that was crushing. Because number one, I was coming from a woman. You'd think that they would be your biggest advocate, but that was really uh, hard to hear. Um, And I think it's just that conservative mentality of, you know, women that age and older, they feel like we should be at home raising our kids. And Mm -hmm. so for me, that's always a a really hard question to hear. But my husband always tells me I could talk to a wall. And so uh, knocking doors was fun for me. I love getting to talk to people. And yeah, it doesn't bother me. I wish I could do it all the time, actually. Yeah. 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 That's the best part of running was just meeting people and making connections and hearing what people have to say that's important to them. Um, so yeah, it's fun. I'd do that over being in session. Okay. Yeah, for well, sure. When you're at the diners or cafes, does it ever get heated with your fan base, I guess, if you will? No, not really. Um, I mean, you're all, the thing is you're always going to have those people that don't like any decision that you're making. Um, <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, it's an all or nothing type mentality. And so there's always going to those, be those people that, never say anything positive about you. But quite frankly, if you look at those people's social medias or if you talk to them about anything at all, those are the people that are negative just about life in general. Mm. They very frequently find things to be unhappy about. And so uh, I've just gotten to the point, I realize I'm never going to make those people happy. Um, So I don't know. I, I probably have a different thought process behind a lot of people who can consider themselves extremely conservative. I think upfront investments are really important. So just as an example, I had um, a bill last year that was putting a million dollars of the sales tax generated from menstrual products into a fund to help pay for those products for women who couldn't afford it. And I had so Hmm. many conservative people that would say, well, you're just creating another social program. And I kept saying, Okay, I get that, but if we invest in this up front, then we could save money in the long term. Mm. So I pulled numbers this session uh, with the healthcare authority and found out last year for women who had complications from not having sanitary products, the state spent $9,848,443. Wow. Almost $10 million from people who had menstrual complications just because they didn't have access to appropriate products. So I'm asking for a million dollars, right? If we could invest a million dollars up front, we could potentially save $10 million Mm. on the back end. And so it's things like that. I I think that I just have a different approach than some conservatives. And I think that we're starting to see now, I mean, you know, we talk about children at school not having food. They're showing up for school. We have horrible outcomes in the state of Oklahoma. Well, a lot of these kids are showing up hungry. So let's invest in food so that they can learn, so that we can have better quality outcomes for education, so that we can have kids getting better jobs, so that we can grow our state. Uh, It's just all about that initial investment. And I think that the shift for Republicans has really started to occur where we are trying to put money up front in those investments. And so I think we're going to start seeing uh, just a different type of conservative. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool process to sit back and watch and be a part of. And again, I'm just thankful for that opportunity to 
to be a part of it. Yeah, and that's great because it's almost like understanding the net effect of what you're putting up front because at the back at the end of the day, this is the net effect of your capital at the beginning. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, wow. When you go through your life, what are some of your defining moments that led you to where you are today? Wow, so I think... Like I mentioned that day when I walked into Bible class and the lesson was Second Samuel 7, uh, for me, that was truly the defining moment of this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, because I had been in a position where I grew up in a conservative Christian household, and again, I always felt like I was checking those boxes. I was going to church every Sunday and Wednesday and um, you know, had accepted Christ and done all of the things that a good Christian should do. But I think until that point where I realized I've never actually walked in faith and I've never actually been someone who listened to God's call and and really was moved by the spirit. I don't think I realized how full my life could be until that point. And so, you know, I always told people, even if I lost the race, even if I did not get elected, that for me, that race did two things. Number one, it grew my faith. It made me understand that I had never really had the type of faith that moves mountains. And so it did that for me. And that was enough. Like that really changed the trajectory of who I was as a person. And then the second thing was I showed my kids that they could have a goal that big. And even if they didn't meet that goal, if they just chipped away at it, that that was enough. Just working hard to get to a point where, you know, you were jumping out in faith, you're making a big decision and then going after it. Mm -hmm. Then no matter how it turned out, um, just having faith that that was the journey you were supposed to take. uh, For me, that was enough. And so I really feel like that Sunday sitting in Bible class and hearing that lesson and having God really speak at me was a completely, I mean, it just, it changed the trajectory of my life and it it grew my faith and gave me a stronger relationship with my husband and my kids and kind of just reinforced everything I had ever learned growing up. And so I think that that was probably the most a defining moment of my life mm-hmm. um, wow. and just completely, it just completely changed me. Yeah. Wow. I'm thinking about that defining moment. And if you were to give a young girl advice, what advice would you give her? I think the first thing would be other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Um, Just because I think as women, we spend a lot of time tearing one another down and we always compare ourselves to other women. And so just telling young women that stuff is none of your business. Don't Mm -hmm. let that stuff define you because that's not who you are. That would be the first thing. The second thing is don't let what you think or what you hear or what you feel uh, hold you back. I mean, just like I said, you know, I had all of those Republican women who a lot of them I looked up to and knew since I was a kid, Mm because, you know, you're knocking doors and I I was knocking doors in Duncan and Marlowe. That's where I'm from. And so that's where I grew up. And so having some of those people say, well, who's going to raise your kids if you get elected? 
um, number one, that's why I said, you know, my husband is a way better human than I am. He's a way better <laughs> parent than me. And um, we we don't have gender roles in our home. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we co-parent equally and we, you know, do the laundry and we both cook and we, you know, it's just it's not this is my place and this is his place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a partner. Uh, we're partners and and we have a a very um, firm relationship built on that. And so um, every single time that I would knock on a door and someone would say, well, don't you have small kids? Who's going to raise them? Uh, for the longest time, I let that deflate me, mm-hmm. um, especially when it was someone that I knew and had grown up, you know, loving and and had my respect and had earned my respect uh, and vice versa. So hearing them say, well, who's going to raise your kids almost made you feel like a failure as a parent. Oh, yeah. And so um, I would tell young girls, don't let anyone's definition of what they think you should be doing um, stop you from doing what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think wow. that's really important. That is important. Who are three of your most influential mentors? In the capital or just in life just in, in life. general? Oh, gosh. Uh, my dad, for sure. So my dad came from two Hispanic, um, you know, my grandma and grandpa were, were Mexican. They came to the United States. They came legally. And my grandmother taught herself to uh, speak English by reading a dictionary. Um, they were just, they had nothing. I mean, my grandmother owned a Mexican food restaurant. My grandpa worked on the railroad and my dad grew up getting hand-me-downs. He had four older sisters and my grandma would make his clothes out of whatever they had left over. And, and, uh, so my dad ended up putting himself through medical school and, um, just worked his butt off to Mm -hmm. make a better life for himself and for his family. And so I've always just really, uh, looked up to him for, for working so hard. And so I think that that's ingrained in me and my mom. I mean, I know that that's very cliche, but um, my mom came from a very humble home. My my grandmother kind of did a lot of different odd jobs. I know she at one point went to nursing school or tried to go to nursing school. She was like a certified nurse aide. And my my grandpa was a mechanic and a teacher and a coach. And so they just both came from very humble beginnings. And my mom worked multiple jobs to help put my dad through medical school. And, and so I don't know. I think that um, they definitely have. Uh, and my mom is also the most generous human ever. I mean, she would literally give the shirt off her back to make someone else's life better. And so them for sure. Um, another person that's really important in my life, and I hope he doesn't hear this because I don't want him to get a big head about it, but floor leader McCourtney, mm. Greg McCourtney, um, he just is always trying to do the next right thing. And, 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 Senator Treat as well. I mean, they always look at things with a different perspective and they always try to do the next right thing. And so they have really, I think, shaped me as a legislator Mm -hmm. um, and helped me understand that you can't always have what you want as much as I want that because I'm very stubborn. Um, But just being able to step back and look at a very holistic view of what decisions that we're making now and how those could affect people later. And so I really see both of them as mentors 
just because of how much time they've invested in me and helping me understand the process, but then also just always wanting to do, do the next right thing. Yeah. And then my kids, I know that seems weird because they're little. My kids are really funny. I, I think I, I do post a lot about them on social media because the things that they say are so funny. Like my dot, my eight-year-old daughter, when school started this year, uh, she had to fill out this, or I guess it was last year, she had to fill out this thing about, you know, what her favorite color was and what she wants to be when she grows up. And she would never answer the question of what she wanted to be when she grew up. And so the day came where she had to turn that paper in. And I was like, dude, you got to fill that out. <laughs> and she was like, well, no offense, but I just want to be something way more powerful than you. And I was like, oh, dang, this girl. <laughs> Um, and so I don't know. I just I, I think that my kids really mentor me a lot because um, they call me out when I'm wrong and they encourage me and they love me. But at the same time, I mean, they hold me accountable and they make me want to be better and do mm. better and, and be more and set good examples for them. And I think that that's what mentors do. I think you know, they're supposed to help mold and shape you. And so as cheesy as that is, I think probably my three kids are a driving force behind who I am becoming. Wow. That's amazing. That's really good, actually. I've never <laughs> had that answer. Talk about the outdoors. You're a hunter, yeah. fisher woman, if you will. Yeah. I don't know if that's Correct or fisherman? I don't know. We'll go with it. Fisherwoman. I guess you can say whatever you want to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> somebody's going to get offended. You yeah. might as well say whatever yeah. you want. So you're a fisherman, yes, Senator. <laughs> what do you like to fish for? Whatever my husband and my kids want to. Okay. So we, um, I've never, I've never tried to fly fish. Mm. Um, never done that. We actually hunt a lot more than we fish. Okay. But but my kids love to fish, okay. and so uh, my husband loves the Blue River. But yeah, just anything, catfish, I'm, it, literally anything. We just like to be outside. Okay. So okay. I'm not, yeah, we throw everything back. I actually do not eat anything that came from water. It's just a, a non-starter for me. Wow. So I'm going to put it back no matter what it is. So I don't really care what it is. Okay. <laughs> so you brought, up, you brought up catfish. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of fried catfish. Okay. We need to somehow work this in where we go noodling. We, so we've got to get oh, Governor I'm Stitt. In. I'm in. Sign me up. Lieutenant Governor Purnell, Hal Golding, Senator Garvin, <laughs> Wong Lam, and we've got to find a way this summer to go noodling at okay. that festival. Okay. So there is, I want to say it's in Warica, maybe. It's There's like a yeah. noodling festival. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm in. I, I want to say Purnell has noodled before. He has. Okay. And we've talked about it. Yeah. And then when I interviewed Governor Stitt, uh -huh. he's like, let's do it. Okay. And so we always talk about being accountable and, <laughs> and following through <laughs> with certain things. So Yeah, we need to make this happen. I mean, I think this one's easy. We don't need to talk to Senator House. No. This is pretty simple. Yeah. We may have to bring the, as my, as my friends call him, the OG, old Garvin, the original Garvin. Okay. Because uh, he would probably be all over that. <sighs> And Pinnell and, and my husband, they're like, okay, they they are friends. They but could. We've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. I'll tell Stephen to figure it out. Please do. Yeah. Kyle, you in? Oh, he's in. 
All right. We're getting a head nod. This is going to be awesome. This is going to <laughs> yeah, be awesome. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay. For sure. Uh, now I got me excited. I don't want to go down that <laughs> rabbit trail, but this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> when you think about your, your life, because you're super young, what are you most proud of? Hmm. Man. My kids are good people. I, you know, they, uh, my daughter, my, she just turned nine Saturday. I keep calling her eight, but she just turned nine on Saturday. She wants to be a special ed teacher mm. when she grows up. Um, one of her very closest friends is special, is special needs child at school. And so, um, and then my son, just the things that they come up with. Um, he had a kid that was bullying him at school and at first he was really angry about it and he internalized a lot of that. And then he heard from a mutual friend of theirs that the kid had a dad that was an alcoholic and was kind of in an abusive situation. And so my 12 year old on his own came up with, I need to be nice to him. I need to be way nicer to him because he has a really hard life. So it's stuff like that that my kids say that I just think, all right. I mean, they're turning out okay. Yeah. So I that's probably in my personal life, that's probably my biggest accomplishment is like having kids that are decent humans. The very first time that I went to a parent-teacher conference for my son that I remember, I mean, I'm sure I went to more, but the one I remember was when his second grade teacher said, your kid loves Jesus. Like the way that he lives is amazing because you can tell that he loves Jesus. And so for someone to pick that out in my child, I think is a big deal. So that's probably my greatest accomplishment is just raising kids who care about people and uh, serve people, love to serve people mm-hmm. and um, and are just fun. And they find so much joy in life. And I think that that's what life's all about. You just validated that leadership does start at home and our future depends on the home life. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Well, thank you. I I think, again, it's way more my husband than me. But, you know, I think that it's just really important. So one of the things that we've always done whenever, as our kids have gotten older, is tried to um, diversify who they're around. So and, and what they see as as pretty or beautiful or, you know, I think that that's a lot about, I think that that's a lot of leadership. You should not always surround yourselves with people who think exactly the same as you and who believe the same way that you do. Um, And so we try to start that really young. Uh, Like I said, my daughter, some of her best friends are special needs children. Um, If you look at my girl's Barbie collection, they are black and brown and Asian and I mean, they every every single Barbie that my kid have yeah. kids have does not look like them, and we want them to have that diversity in their lives. And so I think they're starting out teaching kids that your network should look differently than you. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, you know, I have friends that are raging liberals, but I just it's it's nice to have people who completely disagree with me because yeah. I think it builds character. Sure. Um, and so. I think that that's another reason why people are like, oh, you're not conservative enough because you have people that are your friends that are not conservative at all. Mm. But I think it it builds character. 
You know, I think that people, you have to have, whether it's in your personal life or politically or even, you know, religiously, I think that we should always surround ourselves with people, A, who are smarter than us, and B, who disagree with us on some things or everything, just because it challenges me. And it, um, it, you know, Greg Treat, Senator Treat always says iron sharpens iron. Mm. And so I just am a firm believer that if we can surround ourselves with people who completely disagree with us, it tells us different perspectives. Um, But it also sometimes will validate what you believe to be right or fair or true or just. Um, And so, you know, I think that that's a huge part of leadership. And it's really important to me that my kids learn that very early on. And so hopefully we're doing it right. Yeah. I mean, I got three chances to screw them up, so hopefully <laughs> one of them will turn out right. Yeah. No, I, number one, you are doing it right. Your husband is doing it. You guys are doing phenomenal and will continue you. to do phenomenal. And on the conservative side, that's what I love about myself being a conservative. My wife will agree is we don't always have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. We We need to understand what's going on in the outside world, too, and then logically process and think, does this make sense? Did you get your job because of your merit or whatever else? Right. You know, so it's really interesting. And, and, I, and I love, I won't say more, but I love being a conservative. And I mm-hmm. love America. What does America yeah. mean to you? You know, I think, um, so I was at um, Stevens County GOP, I guess this was last month, and AJ, the state GOP chair, he made a comment that has just really stuck with me. And so when you're talking about conservatism and, um, you know, surrounding, being surrounded by conservatives in my job now, or even growing up, uh, what I've always found beautiful about being a conservative is that we can all think differently. We do not have to have like some other parties. We don't have to have someone telling us what's right and what's wrong and what to think and what to believe. Um, we can all think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's really frustrating to me nowadays about people saying, well, you're a rhino, because essentially what that's saying is you don't agree with me. And so you're not conservative enough. Right. right? And so that's the beauty of what AJ was saying was conservatives. We all are free thinking and we all may think differently, but that's a beautiful thing about mm-hmm. our party. And I really kind of pair that with America. I mean, for me, we're a melting pot. Right. Like no one in America thinks the same. We don't believe the same, whether that's religiously or politically or just the way we raise our kids. And so I think that our conservative party, the Republican Party, truly embraces what America was founded on, which is diversity. Mm -hmm. And we don't all have to think the same to be good conservatives or to be good Americans. And so, you know, it's frustrating to me when people use the term patriot to describe themselves politically uh, because they'll say, you know, this person's a conservative, but this person's a patriot. Mm-hmm. Um, I see patriotism as someone who's willing to make any sacrifice for their country, not mm-hmm. someone who disagrees with me politically. Sure. And so, um, you know, I think that we're just becoming a party of division, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got and we've got to get back to that because, again, I just believe that my America is diverse and my America um, is a beautiful thing because we don't all think and believe the same way. Yeah. And so I hope that we can get back to that as a country and as a party. Uh, we've had, unfortunately, we've had leaders across you know, across the spectrum from local to national that have really divided 
this country and mm-hmm. that's not what our country that's not what our founding fathers yeah meant to be meant for us to be meant for you know our direction mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago like that's yeah. just not what we're we're not getting it right mm-hmm. and so i wish we could get back to this america that um embraces different and embraces that diversity and and wants to sharpen one another by mm-hmm. talking instead of just screaming yeah. And so for me, America is just a land of opportunity and a land of diversity. And we just need to embrace that and figure out how to put all those pieces together to make it work. Yeah. And that, that's really interesting, Senator, is I feel quite a few Americans want to be, quote unquote, united. However, there's a small percentage of them that are really vocal and loud about the victimhood mentality or, right. and I'll be honest, when the United States played in the World Cup last year, the coach wore a shirt that just said states. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that caught my eye. I'm like, aren't we the United States? And you're just wearing a shirt that just says states. And you're talking about, well, this country, Qatar, doesn't uh, allow for homosexuals and all the such. But yet you're playing in it. The mm-hmm. biggest stand you can actually take is not playing it, just like all the right. other countries. If you're against that, don't play in the World Cup. Yeah. That's the biggest stand you can take, and neither one did it. Why? Because of money. Yep. You're absolutely right. So, And it's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really frustrating. Yeah. I think that pe- more people are going to have to take a stand and say, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, just, I just think that it's going to take more people being bold. Mm-hmm. And, um, sure. Hopefully, we have leaders coming up behind us that will continue to do that. Well, sounds like your kids are. They better be. (laughs) They better be. Last question for you. How do you want to be remembered? Wow, gosh. Just someone who's always trying to find the next right thing to do. Um, I think in the legislature, we all find our niche and we all find um, our one or two things that we do that will shape the trajectory of mm-hmm. Oklahoma. I realized a couple of years ago when I got elected that a lot of people think that women's issues are Democrat issues. And the reality is women's issues are everyone's issues because they're not like every woman I know is not a Democrat. Right. <laughs> I mean, right, right. So, some are Republican, <laughs> some are Democrat, some are agnostic. Yeah. Um, and some are independent and some could care less about politics. I mean, it's we're all different. And so a couple of years ago, I ran a bill that eliminated spousal rape in the state of Oklahoma. So that was still a thing. We were one of seven states that still wow. allowed for that. And uh, when I ran that bill, I realized, holy cow, I'm a young female in this building. And I, through no fault of their own, a lot of the old dudes in the Capitol don't want to talk about things like spousal rape Mm. and menstrual issues and gender (laughs) equity as far as pay is concerned. I mean, there's just a lot of things that dudes don't think about talking about, right? (laughs) And so I realized a lot of the issues that are considered women's issues are things that Democrats were trying to tackle, but they weren't getting anywhere. And so as I read through the bills over the last 10 years that Democrats have filed about some of these issues, I thought, you know, these are really good ideas, but unfortunately they're not going anywhere. And so, um, like, so there was one last year that I, or maybe it was two years ago, prison reform as far as uh, compassionate care. Mm. It's an issue that 
from one of the sergeants told me that the Democrats had been trying to pass for 15 years. Well, they were making it a super liberal, super liberal policy. So I took some of the bills that they had filed in the past and made it really conservative and took a conservative approach to it. We got it done in a year. And so some of those issues that um, affect everyone, Mm -hmm. again, whether you're Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Like it's going to affect everyone. Um, I just wanted to be a voice of reason. And yeah. so for for me, um, I've been tackling a lot of the women's issues because I realized I have a really unique platform to be able to do some things for women that no one's been able to do before. Right. And so those that's probably the legacy that I think more than anything I want to leave is I don't want my girls to have to be talking about the fact that Oklahoma is one of the has one of the largest pay gaps in the country. For women. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is 2023. Yeah. So right. so that's kind of the legacy that I want to leave is to make it a better place for women in our state. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can get there. Yeah. Um, but again, I just am taking a different approach because I'm addressing it as a conservative and I yeah. don't think it's been done before. So I like it. I don't know. I just want to be a mover and shaker yeah. and ruffle some feathers along the way and bring some good policy. And I hope that that's the legacy that I leave is to let women know that we see you and we hear you and you can do and be and, you know, not have to worry about what people are going to say about you being away from your family or away from your kids. We need awesome women at the Capitol too. Yeah. You need to start another hashtag along with your mom of the dome, be a hashtag ruckus maker. (laughs) I definitely do that. (laughs) I do have a little bit of a reputation for cause, you know, I kick someone out of, committee last week yeah, yeah and so um i i've had some people that have worked at the capitol for years say garvin you cause more problems than anyone in that building yeah. but it's because i'm not afraid to be bold yeah. and you know i just I, I don't know we're we're gonna see how it goes the next year i've got one one year left that the people have given me and so we'll see how much trouble i can <laughs> good friend of mine bradley ward's a big fan of yours so well he's very kind yeah very yeah kind. Well, Senator Garvin, do you approve this podcast? I approve. It's been a good time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I appreciate I'll you. I'll come back anytime. You let me know when. Okay. I do have a bonus question. <laughs> okay. Here. I'm ready. What are a couple of questions you wish people would ask you, but no one ever asked? Oh, Senator? gosh. Um, you know, I think for me, I always tell people nothing is off limits. I'm going to be completely honest and open. So I think a lot of people never really hold back when they want to know something because they know I'm just going to tell them like it is. Mm. Uh, I've had a lot of people recently ask me about things like, I don't know if you saw on social media, but uh, when Senator Jett referred to paid maternity leave as Mm. paid vacation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I get a lot of people that say stuff like, what do you want to say when your male colleagues say things like that. Um, and some of those things are just better left unsaid. Like I would definitely mm. say it off the mic, but yeah, you know, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, that's probably the thing that cracks me up the most is when people are like, whenever somebody, so-and-so said this, what did you want to say? But for me, I usually just say it out loud. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it goes back to that ruckus maker thing. I like it. I like it. And it's the idea of reading the room. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, this is great. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. For more Defining Moments podcast content, visit our webpage, www.undefeated.show. 
Follow us at Death Moments Pod on Twitter and at Defining Moments Podcast on Instagram.